You know, a lot of people withdraw from a public life as an intellectual because it's simply too agonizing to attempt to bring reason to an often crazy world. And to have people give lip service and nodding Mandarin behavior to reason and then basically stabbing it in the back. So I, for those who don't know my sort of history with political action, this goes back to Ron Paul, um, almost, I guess, 10 10 years or, or so ago. I'm not a fan, not a fan of political action. I was willing to make the case and did make the case strongly that political action was uh, worse than useless because it diverted you from other things that were more productive in building a better world, uh, dealing with better families, better childhoods, uh, and so on. And I made that case prior to a deeper understanding of the demographic winter that is occurring in uh, Europe and in other Western countries. Low birth rates uh, among whites and demographic shifts and changes to the point where countries are experiencing, in a way, a soft demographic coup to replace uh, cultures and institutions. And at that point, of course, I realized that we did not have time for the multi-generational solutions that I proposed. You go slow until you realize time and circumstances will overtake your plans and then you must hit the gas. So I did change my perspective regarding political action. And this was fully in line with what I had talked about before. So with people uh, who believed in political action in the past, I said, here's my case against it. But if you don't believe me, if you believe the political action will work, what you should do is give it everything you've got. Give it everything that you've got. Try your very hardest, give 150%. Then if it succeeds, great, I'm happy to be proven wrong. If it fails, you have closure. You gave it everything you had. You gave it your entire shot. You left nothing in reserve, nothing in the quiver, so to speak, and you get peace and closure. So I did put a lot of muscle behind uh, Brexit. Um, Was it June 2016, June 23rd, 2016, I think it was, it passed by a narrow margin. And the, the big issue there was immigration. We've got Theresa May, now PM, who said for seven years, we want to get immigration below, net immigration below 100,000 a year. She's broken her promise every single year. There was a referendum, and the referendum largely had to do with border integrity and immigration, control over immigration, which has gone crazy in um, England in particular, but British House as a whole. It's gone crazy. From Blair in the 90s, I mean, this was all the way back to the rivers of blood speech from Enoch Powell in the 60s, which did stave it off for a while. He took the bullet and destroyed his career to stave off immigration, whatever his other faults were, uh, just as uh, Joseph McCarthy took the bullet and ended, in a sense, uh, through stress, I think, his life, talking about communist infiltration of the U.S. Uh, government. But um, uh, under Blair, it just it went completely nuts. And I think British people were kind of freaking out about it. The country changing so rapidly, demographically and culturally and religiously, that integration became uh, impossible. And of course, people want to hang on to their culture. People want to uh, keep their markers, their social and emotional markers. Of course, of course they do. I mean, nobody would go to some 
indigenous Canadian artists and say, well, you've got to stop painting that stuff. You've got to stop building your totem poles. You've got to stop doing all of this stuff. You've you got to get into Angre and modern art. They'd say, no, this is our culture. This is our history. And it is respected. And their desire and preference to keep that culture and that history is respected. And um, yeah, so people in England wanted to keep their culture and their history to not have the sacrifices made by those still living in the Second World War in vain in many ways. And I wanted to uh, get behind it because it's easy to see where the numbers are going. And if I didn't do anything and the numbers went where the numbers were going to go, I would always think, well, what if I could? What if this was the one time something could happen? And it was the same thing for me with Trump. Now, Trump remains somewhat of an open question, although some of the signs are not great. But what's happening with Brexit? I wanted to give you an update and say where I was wrong. So what is it? One week a month they're meeting to do this uh, Brexit talks, and um, what's going on? I think they've done their fourth round of these monthly talks. This is between the UK and the EU. And there's going to be a decision uh, by the EU in October on whether enough progress has been made on these sort of separation issues to even begin to start talks about what the relationship between the EU and the UK is going to be after. Brexit. Now, Theresa May, when she's not giving speeches where she's hacking up half a lung and a lung and signs are falling down behind her, she tried to kind of move things along, speed it up a little bit. She gave a speech in Italy, in Florence. She called for, she said, okay, with the EU, let's have trade continue as it is for two years after Britain leaves the EU. But they say, well, no, not enough progress has been made yet. And, um, EU negotiator Michael Barnier has said, oh, no, no, it could be weeks or months before talks move on to the next stage. So it is a slow, paralyzing walk. It's like, I guess, uh, watching England, uh, watching uh, Britain leave the EU is like watching a Neanderthal thaw out of a glacier from the middle out. And it's funny, you know, this is one of these things people don't necessarily see how ridiculous this is. If you look at how quickly England mobilized for war in 1939 and how manically and rapidly it uh, built the Spitfires and the Hurricanes and saved England from the Nazgul-style attacks uh, in the summer of 1940. Government can move enormously quickly when it wants to. Look at the uh, Patriot Act after 9-11. Boom! Massive changes in American law and security and Losses of privacy. It's astonishing. When the government wants something, like how long do they say, well, we want to increase taxes, but it's going to take probably about half a decade of negotiation to do it. Nope, they want to increase taxes. Boom, they increase taxes. So whenever it's something that impinges on your freedom and increases the size and power of the state, they seem to be very keen. When other times it may diminish the power of the state, well, sorry, that's, uh, that's going to take a while. It's sort of like we cash the check for what you bought within three milliseconds, but refunds are going to take three years. <sighs> That's crazy. So David Cameron, the Chancellor George Osborne, and a lot of other people, fairly senior, who wanted to stay in the EU, they said, well, it's going to be an economic crisis. You know, if Brexit happens, economic catastrophe, dogs living with cats, columns falling down, pigeons pooping on children, it's just going to be a mess. 
Now, the pound did have a dip after the referendum, and it's still about 10% lower against the dollar, 15% down against the euro, which may mean that it lost value, or it may mean that it was artificially propped up by the euro. I mean, was euro kind of the cocaine? I'm kind of down since I stopped having cocaine. Well, no kidding, right? But this immediate doom, I mean, it was completely wrong. The UK economy in 2016 was estimated to have grown at 1.8%, which is only slightly down from Germany's 1.9% among the world's G7 leading industrialized nations. So yeah, economy's doing uh, all right. So the negotiating teams, EU and UK, they're going to meet face-to-face one week a month because, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tough meeting more often than that. You know, there's golf. Uh, there's uh, swimming. I'm perfecting my butterfly stroke. So, And one of the big barriers, of course, what are the rights of EU citizens and UK citizens after Brexit? And not, not least of all, of course, it's reaching the divorce bill. How much money are UK taxpayers going to have to fork over to Brussels just to regain the autonomy that they want? Sure. You can get out of your cell phone contract, but we're going to take one child and a kidney. (sighs) Completely mad. Now, of course, when I think when the EU went in, there was no plan for exit. And there was an Article 50, which is how you uh, exit. uh, That was part of the Treaty of Lisbon. And it became law in 2009. Eh, There was nothing, no formal mechanism to get out before. It's like a roach motel or a cult or the mafia. You can check in. Sorry, that is totally an insult to the mafia and to cults, I apologize. So this exit thing, you know, it's a pretty complicated thing. How much time did they devote to it? Five paragraphs. Five paragraphs. Are you kidding me? Five paragraphs. Have you checked the EULA on the latest Apple update? Five paragraphs. Ah, oh, I just want to play a game. So what were these five paragraphs? Any EU member, yeah, you can decide to quit. But you have to notify the European Council, and then you have to negotiate your withdrawal. And there are two years to reach an agreement. Ah, you see, there are two years to reach an agreement unless everyone agrees to extend it. And, and also, the existing state that wants to leave cannot take any part in EU internal discussions about the standards of its departure. So, closed-door meeting on how you leave. Can you imagine? It's like the judge and your ex-wife, or your soon-to-be ex-wife, getting together to discuss the terms of your divorce. You're not allowed in. You're not allowed to talk about it. Crazy. So this two-year thing, they they invoke Article 50, right, of the Lisbon Treaty. This gives two years to agree on how the split is going to happen. So Theresa May did that on the 29th of March, 2017. So... Two years, 29th of March, 2019, that's when the UK is scheduled to leave. And again, you can extend this if all of the EU members, all 28 of them agree, but they're sort of saying, okay, it's, it's, it's two years, right? So it took not far off from a year to go from referendum to triggering. Now it's two years, so year after year after year. Now the Conservative government has introduced what's called the European Union Withdrawal Bill, Uh, to Parliament, and if it gets through, it's going to end the dominance of EU law in the UK. 
It's been called the Great Repeal Bill. And uh, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, it sort of takes all the, the uh, EU laws uh, or EU legislation. It uh, incorporates them all in a big giant Borg bag into UK law. And then the government is going to take their sweet time to figure out, you know, what are they going to keep? What are we going to discard? What are they going to change? And so on. And uh, none of this has much to do with anything. Nobody cares fundamentally about any of this stuff. What do they care about? Well, they care about what got Trump into power. They care about immigration. They care about immigration. I mean, Prime Minister Theresa May has said one of the main messages that she got from the Brexit vote was that the British people want to see a reduction in immigration. Of course, immigrants cost a lot of money. A lot of, a lot of taxes go into the welfare state and to education and to housing costs, which are going through the roof. And they've recently discussed housing costs in the UK, but without ever talking about immigration, also driving down wages, also culture, also problems, also language, also, come on, it's not that complicated. So Theresa May said, oh, we're going to focus. While we negotiate Brexit, we're going to focus on getting net migration down, right? So net, that's the difference between the numbers coming in and the numbers leaving the country, and she wants to get it down to a sustainable level. Again, she defines this as being below 100,000 a year. Crazy. Now, the rate of increase in the size of Britain's population, it has slowed down, rate of increase has slowed down since the Brexit vote. But this has largely been because of an increase of emigration from the UK by Polish citizens and East and Central European country citizens. Why do you think they're leaving? Why are the white Eastern Europeans leaving and going back to their countries which are resisting mass migration, which are resisting mass immigration? Who would have thought? Who would have imagined that the inoculation to disastrous immigration was decades of communism. Who would have imagined that the communist countries might turn out to be the lucky ones? This world is sometimes too strange. I mean, half the time I feel like I'm in a waking dream. I'm going to sneeze butterflies and <laughs> sprout wings from my ears. Amazing. So there's still almost a quarter million more people coming in to live in the UK than leaving it. Just... Um, in the year leading up to March 2017. I mean, a quarter million, almost, way above this 100,000. In May 2017, Theresa May said, oh, we're going to cut net immigration to below 100,000. And this is a promise she has failed to achieve for, what, seven years at that point? In 2015, she, oh, she said she couldn't guarantee immigration would be significantly lower after Brexit. But she seems to have some skepticism to immigration. She said, we need to build 210,000 new homes every year to deal with rising demand. We need to find 900,000 new school places by 2024. And this is uh, horrifying stuff. This is just the kind of unintended consequences that, that happen. Which is, I mean, I think the British people said, we want to control immigration and particularly from disparate religions and cultures. I'm pretty sure 
I'm going to speak for all British people, but if I had to guess, I'm pretty sure that the British people did not have in their heart of hearts that the big problem with immigration was white Christian Polish people coming to England. That's my particular guess. And now what's happened as a result of wanting to control immigration is that um, immigration is still high and it's only kept down by white Polish people leaving England and going to Poland. And, you know, if you want to know where people's beliefs really sit, just follow the footprints. Follow the footprints. The question is, how are poor people coming to England able to afford this kind of housing? Well, because of subsidies and rent controls and welfare and all of this kind of stuff. It is a net negative, I believe, for the average British taxpayer who desperately wanted to control immigration through Brexit. And now it's going to drag on and it's going to drag on. And there is, of course, a sense of desperation in England because as the numbers pile up, right, I mean, why does the left want immigration from the third world? Because immigrants from the third world vote for the left, which kind of tells you a lot about the left. I just kind of wanted to point that out. And so it is not something, England is not going to be the same in a couple of years as it is now, just as it is not now as it was a couple of years prior. There is a certain amount of overwhelmingness that can happen. And I, I believe that an attempt to have borders and an attempt to control massive third world immigration was the driving force behind Brexit. If that fails, and it looks like it's failing, and because what happens is if it's tough to, to curb immigration now, how is it going to be easier to curb it in two years or three years? You understand? This is the basic math. If the British politicians had the will to control immigration, they could do so. I mean, they could. But they don't. And I think people are kind of understanding that. That the that, that, that Brexit was, I think, the last-ditch attempt to have borders and control massive third-world immigration. And people recognize that every day that delays makes the problem harder to solve. It's like the national debt. It's like Social Security. It's like unfunded liabilities. It's like all the pension plans. The longer you delay the solution to more impossible the solution becomes. If the solution cannot be achieved now, can it be achieved in two years when you have untold more people willing to vote for more immigration to bring their relatives over, when you have untold more people willing to vote for labor or other leftist uh, groups to, to open up the borders? If it can't be done now, can it be done later? So I wanted... The information. This is what I said years and years and years ago. I said, look, if you believe in political action, give it everything you've got, but then absorb the information. Absorb the information. That results. And the result has been they're only this is something desperate for the British people. The British people are desperate for this. And they're only meeting one week a month. It's not coming. Control over immigration. It's not coming. It's not going to happen. Pursue. This is what it's like. If you're dying of thirst in a desert and you see a lake in the distance, what you think is a lake in oasis, you say, well, it's most likely a mirage. But I've got to do something because if I stay here, I die. So you go in the direction of what you think is the lake, what you think is the oasis. If you get there and drink, you've saved your life. 
if you get there and there's nothing. Well, it was all going to end anyway. <laughs>